I believe taking yourself for a workout or some fresh air is a sign of self-respect. Doing something that's going to prolong good health in a human being, doesn't matter what it is, you know, take Frank for a walk, go for a surf, go for a ride, just go and sit outside rather than inside. It's self-respect. You are respecting what you've got because ultimately all of my, I use air marks here when I say woes or depression, boils down to me thinking at the end of the day, I have a roof over my head, I have food on my plate and I have a job that I'm passionate about. So many people don't have that. So treat yourself with a little respect and do one small thing today that your body will thank you for. That is transformation coach and nutrition coach, Emily Brabon-Hames. And this is episode 247 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. And welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 247 of the show with one half of my men's health transformation coaching team, Emily Brabon-Hames. You can find her on Instagram, Emily Brabon-Hames. I'll spell it for you. E-M-I-L-I-E-B-R-A-B-O-N-H-A-M-E-S. S. Emily Brabon Hames. Uh, you'll find it, both her and her husband, Chief Brabon, over at transformationcoach.com. More about Emily in a moment. If you're just joining the podcast, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. G'day. Hi. My name's Osher. I'm a TV host from Australia, currently working on a show called The Bachelor, which is about to debut this Wednesday evening, uh, which I'm so excited about. It's, I can't wait, to sh- can't wait for you to see it. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday night. It starts in Australia. Uh, I also I have a book coming out on the 20th of August, which will be pretty excellent. And uh, I'm launching that book with a one-night-only show on August the 30th. At this point, the show is only in Sydney. I wish I could take it to Brisbane and Melbourne. Uh, the idea is that we're going to shoot the one in Sydney. We're going to you know package it up and go, hey, people who own theatres in Melbourne and Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth and Darwin, this is why we should travel the show. So trying to make the Sydney show as good as possible. It's coming together really, really well. You can get tickets, osher.is slash live, osher.is slash live. Just type that into your phone and... Um, Kaboom, you can buy a ticket. Uh, you can buy a book and a ticket at the same time there. I've got to say, the songs for the show are coming together pretty well. Someone asked me the other day, what's the show going to be like? Is it a storytelling show? And I'm like, oh, we're going with the stories and songs or a night of stories and songs format. <laughs> we've got to go there. Yeah, I've got to go there. You only get one chance in life to do that kind of show and here it is. It's going to be great. Um, and I'm so excited about the music because I'm writing it with Toe Hider. Toe Hider, who's made all the music for my podcast since day one. I'm so excited to be working with him. He is an incredibly talented man, and um, he has come up with some pretty fantastic and rather interesting musical ways to cover some pretty dark subject matter, Uh, because, yeah, there's some stuff in the book that's a bit tricky to talk about, Um, so why not sing it? It'll be good. I hope you can make it. It's been a long time since I've played guitar on stage, and I'm very, very excited about it. Um, Might have to get the calluses back onto my fingers. 
going to have to start now because it's only a couple of weeks away. Yeah, if you do buy a ticket to the show, you can get a book and a ticket with the same price. Same price? Yeah. is slash live. Speaking of the book, next week the book comes out. Monday the 30th. It's on. Um, yeah, I am shit scared. Whew. But it's on. And I'm going to launch the book with a special, special, special uh, – I think I might even do it in two parts. I'll get to see uh, a podcast. And the guest is me. And the interviewer is Todd Sampson. Yes, Todd Sampson. If you listen to his episode, he said, I want to interview you one day. And we managed to figure it out. He took the time. He came around. We clocked about two and a half hours on the Zoom recorder. We did a lot. And, boy – I was crying. He was crying. It was full on, but I cannot wait for you to hear it. Um, it was really great to be interviewed by someone who's such an incredible interviewer, and he's a very, very, very intelligent man. So he had me, he had me going to places I didn't expect to go to, and I can't wait for you to hear that. So that'll that'll be next Monday on the same day the book comes out. Um, so. Yeah, you hear the podcast. You hear the podcast. What is this podcast? Well, it's a thing that I do every single Monday. I've done it for the last 246 Mondays in a row. And this podcast is a conversation that you get to be a part of. And it's a conversation that is designed to hopefully help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Because that's all I'm, we are all here trying to do, right? 246 other episodes. You want to go check them out? Now, sometimes. This conversation will be with a name that you know, and you'll see that in your podcast feed, and you'll download that because you recognize the name from somewhere. Sometimes the conversation will be someone that you don't know, but I absolutely guarantee you that every time you listen to this show, you'll hear something that you need to hear. You'll walk away from it going, oh, yeah, yep, yes, okay. That brings a different perspective on this thing that was giving me the shits. Okay, right. I guarantee it. You're going to hear it today. I promise you, 100%. You'll hear it today. Uh, every show is like that. So happy exploring through the back catalogue. They're all still up there. No paywall. It's all, all for you. Go on. Enjoy. Enjoy. Um, so, yeah, all we're here to do is help each other make today a little bit better than yesterday. Lots of people doing that over on the Facebook page. There's a, a Facebook group, I should say. Osha.is slash FB group is where you can join up. We hit a 1,000 people on Saturday morning. I'm so blown away. A thousand people are in that Facebook group and there's so much love and support and kindness and care and like-minded listeners of this show coming together to back each other, keep each other accountable, help each other out, offer, you know, offer help, offer support, just be a resonance to go, yeah, I've got that too and that sucks. Hope it's all right. We'll be here tomorrow. It's freaking amazing. I tear up. I tear up when I when I read it every day. It's so good. Osha.is slash FB group is where you can find it. I did wanna I didn't want to check in this week. Um, I'm putting a book out. It's more than a tell-all, this book. This book is an authentic conversation where I talk about what happened to me, what it was like, what happened when it got bad, and how I was lucky enough to get better. Now I'm doing this and I'm having this conversation in the hope that I can help try to make it more normal to hear these kinds of conversations, mainly because I know that everything changed for me when I heard someone else share their story. All right, I thought I was some special little snowflake with a special brain that nobody else understood. And then I sat across the room and I heard someone speak and I was like, oh, shit, that's exactly what happens to me. Oh, wow. But you've got a wife and kids and a family and you've got a career again. And how did you do that? Oh, 
because what I thought I should be doing ended me up here and I've, you know, kind of unemployed and kind of crazy, but you seem to have your shit together. Maybe I'll just do what you tell me to do. And that's what happened. Well, not, I'm not saying you should do what I tell you to do. I'm saying you should listen to your doctor. So yeah, so I, I went and saw my doctor and, I, and we started getting, I started getting better. Um, but yeah, it was only in hearing someone else share their story in, and in hearing their story and how they were now better that I figured that there was indeed hope for me. And this idea my brain was telling me that it was never going to change was actually also false information along with any other false things that my brain was telling and showing me at the time. It is an intricate story in my book. There are many, many, many facets to it. So many more facets than you will see in a 10-word headline. I can assure you that this book is written in the hope that authentic conversations about difficulty that you might be having and how you're managing that difficulty or that you might need help managing that difficulty with or how you have managed difficulty only serve the idea that these kind of conversations might happen more in the hope that it becomes more normal to hear these conversations and then more normal to start these conversations because life is too short to go through it struggling alone. Um, There is help. There is hope. Whatever you're going through, it can get better and there is someone else that's figured out how to help you do that. But you got to stick your hand up. And hopefully by me sharing what happened to me and how I have found a way to manage what's going on, that will hopefully help others. That's that's the reason I wrote the book. You can make today better than yesterday. I promise you that you can. If you are feeling a little bit out of control, remember, like it starts with a conversation with your GP. It starts with your doctor. But there are things, there are things that, that you can control. You can control what you eat. You can control how much you sleep. You can control how much you exercise. And you can control what you do with your time and and the purpose when it comes to doing those things. Bringing those four things into your control is incredibly powerful. Really, really is. Because you can control all those things. You just have to make a decision to just decide to decide. Yes, I decide that this is what I'm going to eat now. I decide that this is how much I'm going to work out every day. I decide that this is how I'm going to approach my work. I decide that these are the people I'm going to hang out with. But if you're doing all those things and it's still not turning around for you after a couple of weeks... Get along to your doctor. Perhaps get a little extra help for a little while to shift the needle a little bit while just to support you while you're making those those changes in your life. I, I know, look, I talk a lot about this stuff because it's it's my experience. I understand it's not everyone's experience. I understand that I got quite lucky in that my experience with medication um, was quite intense for a long time and now... I'm off it for a little while, but I might have to go back on. I don't know. It may yet happen. Um, but at this point, the management strategies that me and my doctors have put in place seems to be seem to be working. But in my experience, once I was on meds for long enough, long enough that my brain started to work properly again, that's when those four principles started to really contribute positively to my life. Because I was doing all those four things, but nothing was moving. All right, I was eating right, I was running every day, I was, you know, had a sense of purpose, I was, you know, meditating, I was following a spiritual step-based practice. Still things were bad. So I needed to go and get extra help. Once I got that extra help, that's when those other four things started to work and that's when I started to get better. That's that's basically what happened. Um speaking of, you know, watching what I eat and, you know, working out, you may have noticed an outcome of looking after my brain this month. Uh, your friendly neighborhood rose counter is on the cover of Men's Health magazine this month. <laughs> Shirt off and rig out. Never thought it would happen in my life. I never in my life thought it would happen. And there it is. 
it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty amazing. I'm incredibly proud and humbled at the response to that. And um, I'm incredibly proud that I'm the first plant-based person in Australia to do it. Very proud of that. But I promise you I did not do it alone. No way did I do it alone. And that is where my guest this week comes into play. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Emily Brabon hames is an author, a transformation coach, and a nutrition coach, and she is one half of the team that helped me totally transform my body for the cover of Men's Health Magazine. You can find her online. She's on Instagram. Quite prominently, Emily Brabon Hames. It's Emily with an I E E M I L I E Brabon Hames. Yes, we heard from her husband Chief last week. Now it's Em's turn. Her story of how she went from a reclusive kid to being one of the most powerful transformation coaches in the country, transforming literally thousands of lives every year with the work she does with Original Bootcamp. It's something that is completely inspiring. Em's journey does cover some difficult territory. Hearing how she reclaimed her life from the darkness will, it'll move you as much as it moved me. I'm sure it will. On that, if there is anything in this conversation that brings up difficult feelings for you, and and there may be, because we do cover some pretty dark ground here, uh, you can please, please do call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Remember, it's all about sticking your hand up and asking for help, saying, hey, I just heard this thing today and it reminded me when I was a kid, da 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 it's important. You've got to do it. But I assure you, this chat has a happy ending. I promise you. <laughs> you can follow Em's Adventures on Instagram, as I mentioned. Uh, there on her Instagram page, you'll find a link to go and buy the book that she wrote with Chief. It's called Eight Weeks to Wow, which is a, a, a form of the program that I followed. Basically, that's the fitness protocol that I, that I followed. Um, and But I used in that book, it's only body weight, but it's very similar. The stuff that they did, they just I just did it with them personally rather than the book. But you can find it all there. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Emily Brabon Hames. Hi, Em. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to our apartment. How are you? I know. I've known you for ages now and I've never been to your apartment. Well, this is where we live. There this you is, go. This is our apartment. It's nice. <laughs> it's a nice apartment. It feels like home. It, it is. Well, I've got the heater on, so I'm kind of cheating uh, to kind of get that cozy feel. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is where we live. This is me and Gigi and Frankie and Audrey. We all live here. Um, but Audrey's at work and Frankie's with a dog walker. So, so all alone with your heater. 
Well, it was my heater and the air fryer that I haven't put away yet staring at me. No, you promised to make me something from the air fryer. Oh, I did too. You did. You promised me sweet potato. Oh, fuck. And you know what? I had some leftover from last night and I just ate it for lunch. I feel ripped off. And it was that good. Mm, I feel Aud- ripped off, especially Audrey as I'm the one that gave you the idea about it. Audrey made just it. That was really fucking good. <laughs> really, really. Because when you have the air fryer, you get that crunchy outside, squishy inside. Yes. But without... All the oil. Did it? Did you put anything on it? Or did you just eat it? I think Audrey might. Audrey made it last night, so I think she used about a. She put three potatoes in there: a white one, a purple one, and a sweet <sighs> one. And then I think she tossed it in like a teaspoon of olive oil, and just to get the salt to stick on it. And um, that's there, what we had last night. There's a version of an olive oil called Cobram Estate. Mm-hmm. I think I gave you some once, and they do a limited reserve, and it's astounding. Yeah. It. Rocks my world. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I'm rolling my eyes just thinking about it. I've run out. I, I, for, you know, I, for 10 mils of olive oil at a time, I've run out. <laughs> my I, gift to you, I will bring you some next time because I am it. overrun with olive oil. There's no need. Well, great. Look, I'm, gra- I'm grateful you're here. Thank you for coming. Um, this podcast is going to go out. Um, I'm going to put you and Chief out. I think I'm going to put you and Chief out probably like two weeks in a row. Um, uh, on the when the magazine comes out, cool. So by the time people have heard this, they'll see the magazine and gone, "Fuck, <laughs> look at him! What happened there?" Damn. Well, I showed <laughs> I showed the photos to my friend Steve, who's known me since two thousand and four, uh-huh. the other day, and Steve got tears in his eyes. Steve and I used to go surfing all the time. Yeah. So uh, before we were, you know. Married and had kids and were single men and lived in Bondi and yeah. did all kinds of things. Were you roomies or just besties? Were we what? Roomies or just besties? No, no, just you know, we've yeah. just been really, really close friends. He's a very, very, very close man to me. But I showed him, and so he's seen me. I guess uh, he's seen me get changed in public a lot. Mm. You know, like in surf surfing trips and changing car parks and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So he's known the shame about my body. Mm. First hand for decades, right? Mm. And so when he saw that, he just he said, got tears in his eyes because he couldn't fucking believe it. Tears in my eyes oh. too, and I haven't known you since 2004. <laughs> no, you, you met me before that. I did. Gosh, long time ago. Yeah. So we should – because, I'm, look, I'm, I, what I'd like to get to today is – what I, I really like to get to today is, like, what can we give people who are listening – um, not only, you know, an insight to, to the book, mm-hmm. Eight Weeks to Wow, uh, that you've written with your husband, Chief. He's an interesting cat, isn't he? He is an interesting cat. Um, uh, there's uh, not only some insight into that book, but also what can we give people, what lessons can we give people from, you know, the journey that I've just been on? And I mm-hmm. use that in the most reality, reality television way possible, the journey. I know, it's that word. <laughs> Shilling. There's always a symbol role, as you say, the word journey. Um, so, so, but, you know, but in order to, you know, know the road you walk on, you've got to know how to get paved. And, um, you know, Chief did drop a little, a few interesting uh, tidbits as to how you came into his life. And so I'm looking forward to hearing how <laughs> your version of things goes. Um, but, look, firstly, congratulations on making a book because, you know, you. I know how hard it is. Yeah. Yours was, I think, far more intensive because you had to organise photographs and everything for nearly every page. I just wrote words. 
I was glad to fill up the pages with photos. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, don't you want to look at pretty pictures? Right. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it, it it is interesting. Why, why why a book of all the of all the things that you've done of all the ways that you've found communicating to people? Why a book? Because I don't think we're reaching enough people. Yeah. There are people that contact me and say, "Look, is it is there a way I can do this? You know, on the on online? Is there a way I can do this over the phone? Do you offer Skype training? That kind of thing." Mm. And we get so many requests for it that we thought, well. Isn't the easiest way to do it just to put something down in front of someone, hmm. something tangible that they can hold on to, read, that they can write in and postmark and all that kind of stuff, something that's theirs that they can be held accountable for. Hmm. And I think that's, that's where it was. And we were just lucky enough to meet someone that wanted to bring that to fruition. Right. So, so rather than a, an app or, you know, like a series of videos that you buy for nineteen ninety five, mm. but if you pay forty, I'll give you the extra, you know, all that kind of online sales yeah. shit. Rather than that, yeah. you wanted something hardcover that people could lay out in their living room and work off. I'm old school. Yeah. I literally last year got an e reader. Before oh. that I was libraries and books. Yeah. Because I like holding on to something. I like this sounds really gross. I like the smell of pages. <laughs> no, that's all right. I like the smell of pages. So some, sometimes they're a bit funky, especially when you get books that used to be in a library. Yes. They can have a yeah odd smell about them. But that's, that's, that's something else. Um, is Sydney the part of the world where you grew up? No, actually. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. My husband and I met each other when we were five years old. The husband that was sitting across this table from me just the other day, Chief? Uh-huh. Where did you meet at five years old? So I grew up, I'm, I'm what you might call the anchor child. <laughs> I was born in Australia, but everyone around me is English. So I grew up in England. But when I was born, we stayed in Melbourne for a little while. What were they doing down there? What were your folks doing down there? Um, my dad was a composer. So his, sorry, dad, but it sounds like a cat dying. Um, his music is weird. It's contemporary music. Uh-huh. And it's I went, not for everyone. That's it, fine. it really isn't. And I went to one of his concerts recently and I had such a fit of the giggles that I had to remove myself from the situation. He got very offended. Love you, Dad. Anyway, my dad was working at the VCA, actually. So he was at the Victorian College of the Arts and my mum was a photographer. And we used to go to this market called the Camberwell Markets. It was a flea market that I really enjoyed. And not for the reason that I would buy things, but for the reason that they sold cinnamon donuts. So I used to play the violin, come from a music background, and I used to get my violin out and play a few tunes to get 25 cents to buy four donuts. So you would busk at the markets? Mm Mm-hmm. While did your parents just let you stand on the corner and do it? Was anyone supervising you or you just... No. They just said, we'll be back in in half an hour when we've looked at the markets. You do what you got to do. All right, so you drive to the market together. Yeah. You're the... How old were you? Five. <laughs> With the violin case open in front of you. Yeah, give me some money. I look probably cuter than I sounded. Right. Probably sounded awful on that thing. But he remembers, when I told him that story, he remembers seeing me. Wow. And he said, oh, my God, did you used to stand in this place? I was like, yes. And he goes, and your violin case was this color? Yes. And you used to wear this hat? Uh-huh. Wow. Always wondered what you were saving for. I said, oh, I wasn't saving. I was just buying donuts. <laughs> so there was someone who had like a van or something that made the donuts on Still site. Still there to this day. Wow. Yeah, but I can't eat them anymore. No, that is mm. like because through the last few months, 
I've discovered that I'm celiac. Mm. Uh, you are uh, celiac as well. And um, there's foods that I mourn losing. There's flavors that I mourn yes. missing. And it's, you know, it's the, the cinnamon donut out of the vat, <laughs> as disgusting as it is, it just hits all of the it does. The, the, the receptors in your brain. My, my mouth just watered. Yeah, I know. It hits all the receptors <laughs> in your brain, all those opioid. Oh, I don't know what they are. The same thing that yeah. fires up when you throw drugs down your neck. <laughs> That's a cinnamon donut. Fresh, mm. just, just enough, just enough cool, just enough cool rolled in the business and then given to you and you go, ah, ah, Yeah, ah, and you have to. Yeah, too hot, too much to touch, too much to touch. Chill risk it, chill risk it. I'm burning, I don't care. I don't know. So good. Man. Yeah, if I could have one day of not being a celiac, that would be on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you you were the anchor baby. So your parents were working out here. You got born. Uh, then you went back to the UK. Yeah, my little brother was born. Um, just to mention again, my husband and I were born in the same hospital. Damn. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah, then we moved back to England and then we immigrated properly to Australia when I was seven. Right. Mm. We were a very poor family. We lived in a caravan. Five children in a three-bed caravan, so I slept on a bookshelf. And it was fun. Yeah? It was so much fun. Where was the caravan park? (laughs) Yapoon. Yapoon, like North Queensland? Yapoon. Bloody hell, so you go from freezing, rainy, piss-cold... The UK, Devon. yeah, Devon, Devon, named after the lunch meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, to oh my god, that's the Whit Sundays I can see. Here's the smell of the tropics. Yep, every day. Yapoon. Yeah. We li- we we bought. Well, I say we, being seven years old, my parents bought a caravan with everything they had left and a car, and they decided that we were going to see Australia. So we we the the intention was to go further, but we broke down in Yapoon and we didn't have any money to fix. The car. So dad, uh, I don't know how, got a commission to write a piece for the BBC back home. And so we just sat in Yapoon for six months while he wrote a piece of music, got paid, fixed the car. And by which stage he'd gotten a job back in Sydney with afters. Um, And yeah, we moved to Sydney. Amazing. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible, incredible part of Australia, Yapoon. Oh, I just, all I remember is sharing a bed with my siblings, tops and tails, sometimes three of us in the same bed, one of us on the bookshelf, and just being scooted out of the caravan as soon as the sun came up to go and do something and don't come back until lunch. That was fantastic. That was so good. How far were you from the beach? We were on the beach. Yeah, of course. Literally on the sand. Yeah, central Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. I used to watch the sharks and the turtles. Couldn't swim by that stage because we're British, so scared of the water by nature. Um, learned to swim in the waves and, yeah, it was just it was complete freedom for six months. Yeah. A really nice way to find Australia mm. and to, to call it home. Did So the food must have been very different straight away from the UK. It was because, well, because my parents had packed up and sold everything we were on a very tight budget, so it was all very much home brand pasta, home brand oats, two meals a day. Um, we looked <laughs> we looked like little malnutrition children with our skinny limbs and our big bellies. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not a good symptom. It wasn't, but like I said, I don't remember feeling hungry. 
I just remember, you know, don't come back until lunchtime when you'll get fed. And then, shoot, don't come back until five o'clock when you'll get fed again. Right. So, yeah, the food was different in that respect that we didn't have fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, all that kind of stuff, just simply because my parents couldn't afford it. Mm. Um, so it was all very packaged and boiled and salt and butter and that kind of stuff. Mm. But, yeah, it was good. And so you came down, to, so were you going to school in your at the point? No, we had a little bit of time off, uh-huh. um, which was good because who wants to work when you're at the bit? do school work when you're at the beach. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, when we came down, we lived in um, Warunga actually, over in the, the north side. And we did, I did distance learning. So some of my siblings learnt from my my mum when they're young enough. And, yeah, I did distance learning and correspondence courses on the computer and stuff like that. So even though you're living in a fairly metropolitan part of the city, you were a distance kid? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mum didn't agree with the schooling system. She didn't like the thought of children going off to school and being taught by someone else. Uh-huh. Long story. Okay. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> when was the first time you went to a regular school? Mm, the Conservatorium of Music. As a teenager? Yeah. How old were My, you? I was completely socially inept. I still am. So all the way through high school... All your teenage years, you weren't no, socialising with other kids your age? No, completely alone. That's, that mm. would have been difficult. Very. Being Introducing yourself to social situations as well and trying to understand other people's opinions and ways of speaking and talking and interests. Mm. It's a scary place when you've been so insular. Yeah, and, and isolated, not and not oh, of absolutely. your own. Absolutely, yeah. 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 That. So, what was it? Was it weird? Like when you went to the shopping mall and you saw other girls hanging out together in groups. Like, did it make you feel, oh, I want to be a part of that, or that terrifies me? What was it? It's a little mixture of both because I always wanted to go to school, but I wasn't allowed. Right. So it was kind of. A, I feel like I'm missing out on on that, but maybe that isn't that good. Maybe that's why I'm not allowed to go. Uh huh. So, so when it came time for you to go to the con, how old were you? Um, goodness me! Actually, skip back a year or two. The first place I went and had to converse with other human beings, I was fourteen, and I decided to go to TAFE. So I used to get the train over to Hornsby, I think it was, and I started doing art. Ceramics, art history. Did you folks know? Yes, they okay. gave me permission. My dad paid for it. Oh, because it was a it was a different educational system. It wasn't the yeah. state school. So they saw it as education for adults. Uh huh. Okay. Um, so I I finished schoolwork when I was fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. I finished year eighteen, but I didn't do my HSC. And then I started going to TAFE, where I really really started to understand how socially inept I was and how incapable of understanding other human beings I was. You're also a kid surrounded by adults, adults mm. who are at a TAFE, which are a very different kind of adult. Absolutely. <laughs> I know because I used to be one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I used to go and sit in the public toilets to eat my lunch because I was too embarrassed to talk to anyone. <laughs> it's Crikey. so sad. Now that I think about it, you can, feel, you can hear the sad music playing in the background. But, but what, what changed them? What, what got you from that kid 
to, as Chief describes, a woman who had a line around the block to get into a fitness class. What changed? What was the, how did you get from that point to there? Like what started to, what moved the needle? What started to move the needle? What moved the needle? Do you know what? When I think about it, I think everything rolls back to a choice I made when I was 18. And I remember thinking at the time when I made this decision that if I didn't do this for me, I would always be that awkward, daggy, uninteresting, whatever you want to call it, teenager. I'd always be that person. Even if I grew up into an adult, I'd still be that awkward person that I didn't like very much. So I moved to England. Right. Got on a plane. I moved to England by myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Had you finished up with a con by then? Had you? I, at that stage, where was I? I had started at TAFE. I did a year at TAFE. And then I convinced my parents that I wanted to continue with art. And I got into the National Art School, which is now, I think, uh, North Sydney or Eastern Suburbs TAFE or something. I'm not sure. But I was the last one to get into the National Art School before it changed hands. And I studied there for four years. So I got my advanced diploma in arts, art history. Um, I majored in ceramics. So by trade, <laughs> my husband finds this very funny. I'm a ceramicist or a potter. Um and I used to do that to earn a bit of money. So people would commission me for dinner sets or sculptures or puppets or some whatever it was that I was making at the time. Um, and on the side, I belonged to an orchestra. As I said, I was, I was musical, um, which was a television radio orchestra for SBS. Um, and we used to, we actually used to tour the world and we did CD recordings. We played for royal families. It was fantastic. But I was always still that awkward little nobody with no friends on the bus sitting by herself. With a violin case. Yeah, pretty nerdy, huh? And a a beautiful ceramic (laughs) cup. And a disgusting flannel shirt. I remember someone told me I looked like a tablecloth once. (laughs) Hey, I'm from Queensland, man. Brisbane, like flannel is fine as far as I'm concerned. Flannel is fine. So you've got this, this real kind of like, I think everyone's kind of understanding who you were. We've all seen that person. Uh, incredibly, incredibly brilliant, creative, crafty, can do things creatively that you, you possibly can't conceive yet, sitting by themselves, can't interact with the world mm. very much. Very much so. Um, but London, you, you, you could have just gone to Melbourne. You know? No, I, <laughs> I tell you what was going on in my head. I thought if I can get to the other side of the world, if I can stand on my own two feet, mm-hmm. then I can do the rest of whatever it is this thing these people are enjoying called life because I wasn't enjoying it. So you could see other people go, what are they doing? Why can't I do that? Why is that human being happy? Why is that human being wanting to go out with people on a Friday night? I want to know what that's like. So I went through the paper. I thought, what am I good at? What am I good at that's going to get me a job that I can go straight into because I have no money? All I'm getting is a a one-way ticket to England for my 18th birthday. So I'm going to have to do do something as soon as my feet hit the ground. And it turned out that I met, um, through through the newspaper advertising, I met a family, very wealthy family, a lord and lady, 
in a place called Ickenham, which is end of the tracks near Uxbridge, kind of, it's outside London. It's about a 45-minute tube ride. And anyway, I applied for a job with them as a nanny because I thought, well, I've raised my brothers and sisters, of which I have um, seven, and I thought, well, I'm good at that. I clean the house anyway. I'm pretty good at cooking. Let's see how I go with this. So I emailed them back and forth and we we had a few phone calls and I I got the job. So I flew over and uh, went to that wonderful mansion, (laughs) which was incredible because it was something out of a a storybook. Like Downton Abbey kind of thing? It was ridiculous. Separate staircase out the back for the help? Yes. Wow. Yes. And tennis courts and a long winding driveway and acres and acres of land. Mm. And, yes, Lord and Lady of the Manor. Wow. Um, not particularly nice people, but the children were, were wonderful. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got that job and I stuck around for six months to earn enough money and then I went on my merry way and I thought, well, I'm not happy yet. Like, well, I thought I was supposed to be happy now. I was standing on my own two feet, paying my own rent and living my own life and You're all in that London kind of thing. Um, I was still living out that way. Okay. So I lived out in Uxbridge. I lived alone. I worked in a pub just to get some extra money, which now that I think of it was just child labour because I was earning two pounds an hour. <laughs> Not a lot of money. Um, and, yeah, there I, I met a boyfriend and we got married. Right, so bang. How, what had your dating life been like before this? I'd had one boyfriend beforehand. Oh. One. And he was 14 years older than me. Hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was 18, I met my boyfriend uh, at the time. We weren't, we weren't together very long. We were, very, we were best friends more than anything. Yeah. And he was in his 30s. He was in his mid-30s. So going out with a teenager is a bit of a looking back. He probably got a bit of stick for it. Um, and, yeah, so I did the adult thing and I bought my plane ticket to England just thinking, well, he's 34. I'm not going to stick around for that. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, I met a boyfriend over in um, in England. We got married, too young. Again, two good friends, just more friends than husband and wife. Mm. And um, when that broke down about a year later, I just thought, well, I still haven't had fun. What's going on here? Mm. Maybe I'm not meant to have fun. And then I met my friends and I had fun. Where, okay, so what, where were they? How did that happen? They met, I met my friends, who are still my best friends to this day, at a shitty, shitty job. It was in a customer service centre for a computer supply, online computer supply. So I just had to be customer service. I just had to fix people's problems, which I was very good at anyway. I'm a problem fixer. Um, and, yeah, my friends just sat either side of me and for a couple of years we all just Pass the time drinking and going to work and clubbing and doing the London thing, I suppose, that teenagers are supposed to do. So you were still, like, by the time the marriage broke down, what, you were 20? I was 20. All right, so you weren't even married that long. Mm-mm. Wow. Seven months to the day. Wow. Mm. That's Yep, that's one that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, because I was going to ask, a lot of, you mentioned drinking and clubbing. Mm. Um Alcohol and drugs have been the key to success for socially inept people for decades. <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised that they didn't come along earlier. Well, we were always taught, you know, you don't need alcohol to have fun, you don't need this, you don't need that. So when I found alcohol, it was fun. It was fun. 
started having fun. Right. Yeah. Did that unlock some stuff for you? No, not at all. Still completely socially a numpty. Yeah. A complete numpty. I still have a problem with filtering, but hey, I'm 40 now. <laughs> it's acceptable. <laughs> well, I, I, and I certainly, look, I noticed that in myself. And I, you know, someone asked me that the other day because I'm doing press around the book. Someone asked me, you know, if they had a kid who had, you know, exhibited things that I exhibited when I was a kid, what would you teach them? I would say, look, emotional regulation. Yeah. Teach your kid how to calm themselves down. Mm. And they will say and do a lot less stuff that gets them into trouble mm. if they can regulate, if they can notice oh, I'm getting a bit agitated. When I get agitated, I say things that get me into trouble or yeah. hurt other people. What if I just notice that and then calm myself down? I didn't learn that shit until like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning that well, shit. Well, you know, I still try and learn it. I still try and take care of it now, like, but I didn't even understand the concept. I was yeah. just like, words come out of my mouth and they're true. Yes. No, actually, that's not how it works. Yeah. No. No, young man, no. So during this during this time, so you, you found friends and, and, and through your friends, it sounds like you were, you had the, the benefit of some people that might have taken you by, by the hand and, and were kind enough to maybe, you know, after an interaction had gone down a bit weird to go, hey, next time maybe say this or maybe do that. Yeah. Yeah? And I think that's why we're still friends. Right. Because we can, we can pick up conversations from years ago. I, I haven't spoken to one of them in... Gosh, eight, nine months. Yeah. But I know that if he called me right now, it'd be like nothing. Yeah. It'd be like yesterday. And I think my two very best friends, um, just very understanding of me being a widow and accepting mm-hmm. of me being a widow and not judging and I don't know, yeah, judging because they'd tell me to my face I'm a widow, but I'd much prefer that than someone to saying it behind my back. <laughs> so, yeah, as soon as I, I, I saw honesty in them, I... I was theirs. Right. What was your relationship to with, with food around this time of your life? I was anorexic and bulimic from the age of 13. Fucking hell. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> I, um, was it diagnosed? Were you getting help? It was diagnosed and it was because um, my mother told me I was fat. So when you're 13 and your mum tells you, you know, you've got fat, stumpy legs, you just kind of stop eating. Right. Yeah. So that was oh, that was a big mistake because my best friend and I, my Australian best friend and I, she was just as bad. And so being in the same situation as someone that you spend the majority of your time with, it kind of eggs it on. Right. Right. Now, now I, I, I tell, tell me about. I don't know enough. Like I've in my time, I've known, I've I've known closely bulimic people mm-hmm. i've never known i don't think no more kind of not so close anorexic people but i didn't know that the two conditions could intertwine or intersect mm. they overlap i think they overlap for a lot of people i've met so many people that you know can understand and i understand their situation that it was and it all boils down to control i had no control so I created control through food. It's the easiest thing to control. What goes in your body is up to you. And I think uh, trying both methods of being anorexic and being bulimic, ultimately I wasn't very good at throwing up because I cry. (laughs) I usually have to tell someone that I've thrown up, which wasn't good for that situation. So, yeah, just completely stopped eating. And I think one... 
didn't really wake up to it until I divorced my husband, my first husband, and I was trying to get control back in my life and I fainted in a shop and I woke up looking in a mirror and I looked like an alien. I hadn't eaten in three months. Uh, All I'd done is drink milk and Diet Coke and water, basically liquids. So then I woke up. Fucking hell. Mm. But you were were lucky that you had that moment. Had people said something to you? Had people... No one ever said anything to you or did they say it and you just dismissed it? Maybe they did, but I don't remember anyone ever saying anything to me other than I looked perfect. Right. Mm. You look perfect. You're perfect. You've got a perfect body. Right. And so I think when that happens, you don't tend to think anything's wrong. Did you ever, like, wear clothes to to hide the... I lived in England. (laughs) Well, right. So, so like, years ago, like 20 years ago, I dated an ex editorial fashion editorial model she was too tall uh too, too she was what catwalk oh no no she was like she was the wrong body shape for whatever was hot at the time mm. all right so she yeah. was this kind of like the um, kind of end of the 90s they were just kind of only booking girls six foot one and up she was she was not a small lady yeah but she we would walk through we'll walk around and she would be able to pick girls out of the crowd by showing me what to look for yeah so look for the boxy elbows yeah. look for the fur um, the what? The fur. The the hormonal response that happens mm. on the face. That's mm. right. And and she told me, look for the cuticles rotting on the left hand because that's the, they don't use the right hand, they use the left hand, and that's the cuticles rotting from the stomach acids. Mm. Um, they look for little clues like that. Mm. And once she told me these things, I'm looking around just going, holy fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's, everybody. It's, it's prevalent, especially in modelling. Yeah, well, of course. Well, she obviously, you know. Yeah. Quite, quite a around it but yeah looking for you know hiding things like that but saying you're perfect you look perfect for me that's a like in when i think about when i've seen someone who's clearly struggling with it Mm. i don't know what else to say yeah you know all i want to say is what i want to say is like oh no 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 no, everything's great please don't alter your reading but Mm. i don't know you look perfect is the thing that comes out of my mouth because i don't want to say yeah you know I don't want to affirm it and I don't want to, yeah. you know, you've got it. You've got it. it. Yeah. It's a hard one because I, um, I've seen it and I've seen a lot of kids struggle with it and I've seen a lot of clients struggle with it. Mm. And I will just make sure that I get a moment alone because I'm not going to beat around the bush with it. I've been there and I've done that. And I know now that if someone had said to me, it's all going to be okay, this is what we're going to do. I probably would have listened. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't have gone, no, fuck, you don't know anything, wouldn't no. believe you? No. I think I probably would have said, oh, thank God someone cares. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you lived until, what, you're 20? When, when was the moment? 20, almost 21. So seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to figure out how to feed yourself. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah, so kind of went the other direction and just... Always been very healthy, but never understood nutrition like I do now. And then um, I decided that okay, well, obviously there's there's something to do with exercise because I'd never exercised a day in my life at this stage. Um, and I thought, well, these people seem to go into the gym and they can eat without feeling bad, so maybe I should do that. So 
I grabbed a lift with someone from my work that was going to a local gym. I looked like an absolute idiot because I think I was wearing a tracksuit. I mean, we were in the 90s. That's what you wear to gyms. It's fine. (laughs) And I stumbled upon this gentleman called JJ who was the fitness instructor at at this gym. And... The person that I, that I got a lift with said, look, you need to do something fun. So why don't you do body attack or, you know, body pump or one of these choreographed classes. Late 90s. Yeah. Kind of a, not quite aerobics. Yeah. A little more resistance. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Actually, then they were fun. Yeah. Well, I remember walking in and feeling like an idiot because the instructor said, okay, if you're brand new and you've never been to the gym before, you need to come to the front. And that's the last place I wanted to be. I wanted to be hiding up the back in my ugly grey tracksuit and my awful hair and my whatever it was that I didn't like about myself at the time. And he did have a giggle at me that day because I was terrible. And I thought, well, I felt good after that, so maybe I'll go back next week. You felt good how? I felt like I'd found something I could be good at, if that makes any sense. I was terrible at it. But I felt like I didn't want to be bad at it and I could be good at it. How did it make your body feel? Tired. Yeah. I had nothing at that stage. I was just depleted. Right. Um, So I did. I continued. I went back the next week and he recognised me, this man. He he said, I'm glad you've come back. I didn't think you would. She looked very embarrassed last last week. And um, halfway through the class, he gave everyone a water break and he pulled me aside and he said, have you been practising? I said, practising what? This is the second time at the gym. And he goes, you're better at this than last year. It's like you found something. (laughs) And I just said, no, I just realised that no one's looking at me. There's a gigantic mirror in front of us and they're all looking at themselves. (laughs) No one's looking at me. And he goes, no one's looking at you. And to this day, he's one of my closest friends. Wow. Mm. That's a great realisation and that's a big thing that keep, certainly kept me out of gyms. It's yeah. One of the things I don't like. I don't like being looked at. Too much about gyms. Mm. Not really, you know, it was cool going to the gym with you guys because you were an insulator. I didn't have to talk to anyone except you. I already knew <laughs> and you. And I was kind of like a wall blocking yeah. other people which from coming good. in. Which was good. Yeah, which was good. Uh, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, oh, shit, I went to this gym. I was up for the Logies the other day. And I went to this gym, uh, a Pacific Fair, right? Yeah. And it was one of those, you know, big mega gyms. It was a $25 drop-in. So it wasn't yeah. fucking the steam rooms and uh, like the entire walls of the big. I just don't see how 25 bucks validates you walking in that door. Well, it's because it's uh, after that, if you sign up, it was um, – if you signed up for a year or something, like 16 bucks a week for everything, classes, you name it. So gotcha. it was definitely the... Okay. It was the entice the, you in kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was the come and get your first hit. So it was fuck off. It was it was massive. And, you know, and it had like every machine you could ever want. Was it crowded? This, no, I was there Sunday morning, wow. leggy Sunday morning, but it looked like it, it had the capacity for a lot of people. But at the back, there was this functional functional training room. Your domain. Which is lovely. <laughs> so where's the kettlebell? So out the back. And so there's all the doof happening in the outside room, okay? Mm. And so I got on the recumbent. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. 
So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bike and I pedaled for a while and that was fine. Um, and then I went into the functional room and there's a girl over there. She's got, you know... She's got some kettlebells. She's doing some squats, some squ- um, some split lunges. I'm like, okay, cool. And there's, a, there's another couple doing sleds. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But everyone's got the headphones in. Everyone's cool. So I grab a couple of kettlebells and I start doing some cleans and, and jerks and stuff like that. And this fella comes in who's been in the, on the squat rack. Mm. Plugs his – obviously this room gets used for classes, all right? He didn't break the rule. He plugged his iPhone, iPhone in and just, just turned it up and started playing. And I'm listening to – look – I'm, I know your music. I'm lifting, I love your music. I'm lifting heavy. I'm listening. I'm listening to fucking Viking metal. Yes, all right. The best. I'm, I'm listening to songs about and probably shaking your ass at the same time. I was. There was some dancing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm listening to songs about broadswords and and you know across the windswept hills of you know, we're going to vanquish <laughs> our enemies. I'm like I'm lifting shit like oh, I'm a fucking Viking. And this guy puts it because he's in a stretch routine. So he puts some some I don't know some fucking Enya or something horrible like that. <laughs> and I thought maybe I've. Because there's not really many people here. Everyone kind of left. I was like, maybe I'm the wrong spot. I checked the clock near the top of the hour. It might be me. Oh, excuse me, mate. I'm sorry. Is there a class about to start? Sorry. He goes, no, no, man. No. No. He broke gym etiquette. He just came in, plugged in the PA and turned that shit up. I'm like, you're why I don't like to come to the gyms. You're a knob. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, you're probably lucky I wasn't there. I asked him to I would have unplugged. I did ask him to turn it down. Yeah. After, you know, after the next set, I said, mate, do you, do you mind if you turn it down? Yeah, because it was of, fucking loud. Yeah, it was kind of enjoying my workout yeah. before you got here. Everyone else's hair has got headphones. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, it's okay. I like that other gym etiquette. If someone's got headphones in, don't talk to them. No. Don't do it. They might not even be listening to anything. No. Don't approach. No go zone. But, sorry, we diverted. Um, so it's the, um, the, the mirrors. Yeah. The mirrors at the gyms. Yeah. And the, oh, my God, everyone's looking at me feeling is a thing that keeps a lot of people out of gyms. Absolutely. A lot of people. But what you discovered uh, and what I've seen, having been in the gym with you a lot, no one's looking at each other. No. They're checking out their own guns, yeah. mate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't it funny? Yeah. That's why we don't give you a mirror, in case you hadn't noticed when, when you're training. No. We're your mirror. Yeah. We'll tell you where you're standing and if you need to change your posture or what you need to do or what you need to fix. Because you, you need to learn proper proprioception so that you don't need a mirror. Mm. You need to know how to balance your body and stand and move and do everything without having yourself stare back at you. When when you so you started going every week, and I'm guessing at some point you're like, well, there's more than one class a week. I'm going to go a little more often. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start to notice an emotional shift? Um, I don't think I did then. I think I was just thinking, you know, what this is this is fun. I'm doing this, and it's kind of evening out the fact that I feel guilt about eating food, and so it kind of just just, just leveled out there, and then. I had some unfortunate news from home, so I was on the next plate home. I'm a, very much a mother figure to my, to my, I call them my kids, my sisters. So the second I spoke to her on the phone, she just said, Em, 
I need you to come home. So packed everything up and just said I've had enough fun going home. Um, went and lived with her in Byron Bay for a little bit and then decided that I, I because I'd, you know, just packed up and left, I hadn't really given much thought to what I would do when I got back to Australia because the intention was always to come back. There's always violin. <laughs> By which stage I hadn't played since I'd left. Right, fair enough then. So what are we looking Pottery? at now? Yeah, no, nah, still no. didn't want to do that. Don't want to that go back. That reminded me of the old nerdy M. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, I'm all I'm all about not doing things that remind you <laughs> of the old you. Don't worry. Yeah. So I was like, how can I be someone brand new? I can yeah. reinvent myself now because I've been gone long enough. Mm-hmm. So I can be someone that I want to be. I don't need to act. I just need to be stronger. I need to be, you know, better. And then I just decided to take up, I thought about my friend JJ and I thought, well, I learned so much from him and he wasn't even teaching me. He was teaching a class. So I could, I could do that. So I joined, a, I joined a gym in Bondi Junction where I was staying with a friend and just started going to classes there, still painfully shy. Um, that's when I first saw my husband. I used to spy on him. <laughs> oh, so you were aware of him before he was aware of you? Oh, he was the hot guy that used to teach circuits and boxing <laughs> up on the second floor. So I used to get to class about half an hour early just so I could sit and pretend to stretch because the stretching area was right near his class. <laughs> and so I'd sit there pretending to stretch, just watching this guy. Just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thinking. Ask anyone who he was. Was he called Chief then? Um. Well, here's the thing, right? I don't call him chief, no. so I find it hard to do that. I do it at work, yeah. but, yeah, he's, he's Sugar, he's Lou, <laughs> he's all those baby names that make people want to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah. also a highly trained killer. But, but yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> he, but, yes, he was, he was actually master chief back then. Oh, right. Because it was... Um, more, it was when um, this big gym chain had, had hired him to start a boot camp yeah. for them. And I decided that, you know what, I can do that. I can be that. Yeah. But it wasn't before I, um, I'd been putting together music for the spin instructors. I'd befriended the spin instructors because I used to go to so many classes. Yeah. And because I had music as a background, they wanted me to mix them some music. So it was before all the laws of paying your dues and all of that kind of stuff came into gyms where you had to pay royalties for each song you played. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you used to be able to make your mixtapes and your mixed CDs and mini discs. That's how long ago it was. Um, so I used to make a lot of music for some of the instructors there. So I'd, in my eyes, I'd enjoy the class more because it's my choice of music. Uh, and they weren't very good at it, so yeah, I took it upon myself to do that. And uh, their, their classes got quite popular and then... One day I was sitting in a class and um, I had my fitness qualifications. I'd gone and done them and just hadn't thought about how to take the next step. Uh-huh. I was sitting in a fitness class, sitting in a spin class right at the back in the dark and class filled up, no instructor. Sat there for an extra 15 minutes and um, the receptionist came in with the phone and said, is, uh, is Emily in here? Me? I put my hand up and they said, yeah. Um, the I can't remember what she was. The gym manager wants to talk to you. And um, she was a mentor of mine at the time. She was trying to get me out of my shell and everything. Her name was Marion. She was actually one of the um, aerobic soul style ladies. Wow. 
yeah. So Marion <laughs> Wendy Sostar. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so Marion and Kelly and Wendy, I used to work with. Oh no way. Yeah. That's so cool. So Kelly was one of my mentors. As well. Wow. Um, and so I used to train with Kelly, and and Marion used to take care of me in a very motherly way. And so Marion was on the phone, and she said, "Em, the instructor's stuck in traffic. She's not going to make it. I need you to take the class." And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm already sitting at a bike. It's, it's fine. Um, can't you just cancel it? And she said, Em, let me put it to you this way. I have a stack of resumes on my desk asking for a job as a fitness instructor at my gym. Do you want to be the only one sitting on my yes pile? Because if you go and teach this class now, that's where you'll end up. And I just thought, well, that's a sign if I ever saw one. So painfully shy me went, Fine, okay, fine, 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 I can do this. Hung up the phone, realised I hadn't said goodbye to her. Um, went into the class and it was my music anyway. Sat down at the bike at the front and I taught that whole class without saying a word. Just hand signals up and down because I was too shy to open my mouth. And I got a round of applause at the end. And I just thought, well, I don't ever applaud people in the class, that's weird. And... Um, I asked Marion the next day, oh, was it okay? Did you get any feedback? And she said, yeah, everyone loved you. Do you want a permanent spot? So I got a permanent spot. I finally came out of my shell, started talking a little bit, but not too much to ruin the class because in my mind you go to spin for the, the music, the, the, the dark, the timeout. And, um, yeah, pretty soon they started using me to fill up the bad slots because the people would come to the classes. And I think they were just coming for the music and the and the, the quiet, if that makes any sense. Not to be yelled at or picked on or so yeah. Right. And so you 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 from the way Chief tells it, you got quite a, a reputation and people were finding out when you instructed and going to your class over someone else's. Yeah. That's what I heard too. <laughs> yeah, I used to see a, a bit of a line and it got to the stage where I had to teach two classes in a row to make sure that everybody could get to a class, but I loved it. Why? Because everyone was getting what they needed and I didn't have to go out late at night to go to a club to get that music fix anymore. I was getting the exercise I needed to fix that voice in my head that told me I didn't deserve food Mm -hmm. so that I could eat and I was getting the exercise. The endorphins kicked in after two, three spin classes a day. You kind of start to feel those happy endorphins and I think it just it just started to get comfortable and yeah I was for about a year I was teaching in the gym just then I expanded to some aerobics classes and some boxing circuits that kind of stuff and I think that people just liked I think they like my no filter I think they like the fact that I could remember people's names and you know I would treat them differently to the person standing next to them because I didn't know that you were supposed to treat them as a whole class I, I thought everyone's different, so why are we talking to them all the same? So I think that might be why I was popular. I'm not sure. When – so it's not, it doesn't surprise me that it took that long and that amount of activity for, for your brain to start to heal to a point where it was starting to able to produce the things that mm. make you feel better, mm. considering how long it was that you were out for the count. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? When you look back on it, because in a blink of an eye, it's done. But you look back on it and you think that was a long time. 
Mm. But mm. anyway, I was, yeah, I used to spend my other hours just watching this gorgeous man <laughs> in the gym. Did he tell you how we met? Um, well, the embarrassing version, the real version. No, no, his his version involves um, going to fitness first, seeing a line out the door for your class, mm. and then watching <laughs> you through the window. And yeah, going, I remember that. And I died that day. Oh yeah. my god, I was like the hot guy, and I'm all sweaty and disgusting. Oh my god. You're at a gym. You're an instructor. Come on. <sighs> I did. I had a really nice top on that made my boobs look good. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> but he saw the way that you commanded his version is he saw the way that he commanded the class and he goes, This person is perfect for this boot camp thing that I'm starting. Mm. Well then it just so happened that I heard about this boot camp thing. I didn't know it was him. And a mutual friend of ours, who I didn't know was a mutual friend at the time, said, Oh yeah, you need to call this guy. He's starting a boot camp. You know. He's over at head office though. I was thinking, ugh, head office people, corporates, can't stand them. I'll just tell him how good I am. I'll get the job. Not thinking that he was a hands-on, you know, going to actually run the show kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the phone at reception. I said, hi, can I speak to can I speak to James Braben, please? He goes, speaking. I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. He just said, oh, what can I do for you? And I said, oh, I'm an instructor down at uh, Spring Street and I, I heard you're starting a boot camp and I'm just – calling because you obviously need to hire me and I'm just wondering when's a good time for you. Yeah, that is what I said. I love it. And he just, he laughed. He laughed at me and he goes, oh, is that so? And I said, yeah. So um, do I need to give you a a CV or do I need to, what do I need to do? Like do do, do we need to meet up or something? And he just said, yeah, well, we're having a meeting on this day down at head office. So if you want to come along, then we, we can have a chat and see if you fit. And I went, oh, I fit. Um, no worries, I'll see you then. Dressed up really cute. Got my white jeans on, as you do in the, <laughs> the early 2000s. <laughs> and holding neck top, and I went rocking down to head office, which wasn't far from the gym, and my friend worked on reception, who I'm still friends with now, and she finds this very funny. But I said, hey, Jury, I'm looking for um, James, James Braben. And she goes, do you mean chief? I went, yeah, whatever, that guy. And she goes, uh, and she started to tell me. And then just then uh, the hot guy popped his head over this cubicle and looked at me and he goes, do you say my name? Oh, no. I said, no, 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 I'm looking for um, uh, said who. And he goes, yeah, that's me. I went, fuck. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. And the first thing that came out of my mind, where's the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Literally. And he just went pointed towards the, the labs. Yeah. I went and I stood in the bathroom looking in the mirror going, you stupid girl, it's the hot guy, and you uh, asked him where the toilet was. It was as bad as Dirty Dancing where she carried a watermelon. <laughs> it was that kind of humiliating. It's fine. Where's the toilet? That's all right. No, because all I could think was him. He's thinking, oh, she's gone to drop a deuce. <laughs> That's all I could think. He's thinking, that girl has gone to the toilet. We all know what people do in the toilet. And so I was just going, you asked the hot guy where the toilet is. Well, it was said to work out because you've been married for, you've been married for what, 
It's nearly 20 years now. Oh, we've been together for 16 now. Next 16 years. Yeah, yeah. married. We're celebrating nine years married on in November, actually. Aw, yeah. so it was all right that you asked where the toilet was. <laughs> turns out turns out you're okay. Turns out that's a line that works, ladies. <laughs> well, you know, so let's not worry about no watermelons. Like, it seems to be the key. Like, cool. Yeah, forget She needs to go to the toilet. Clearly, she has a functioning bowel. <laughs> That's wife material. It's, well, it's important. <laughs> I've, I've been with women who refuse to even acknowledge that they poop. Mm, there you go. Did you, know, you buy like, them everybody poops? Like, uh, oh, oh, yeah. I, that's like, yeah, but people, we, everybody poos. Everybody poo, Everybody farts. <laughs> it happens. If you don't poo, you die. No, 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 I don't. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah. So clearly it works. And the two of you have you created and built and, and then recreated and, and rebuilt an extraordinary community uh, around the boot camp. Uh, situation that is now all over Australia and in many parts of the world. Mm. Every morning, thousands of people mm. do your workout. Yeah, uh, which is which is really something. The the people who uh, the people listening who might be hearing, you know, certainly elements of your story and your transformation of you know lonely girl Potter on the bus <laughs> to at least you didn't say craft uh, <laughs> lines around the block for back-to-back classes because she's so confident she's holding down a, a mm. room of 50 people, you know. Oh, don't people, mistake whatever. that for confidence. Oh, no, no, I no. used to walk out like this and pray that nobody spoke to me right. because once the lights came on, she was back. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Know that. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. It oscillates. Um, but so what if people feel like, that's it, I've got to fucking get going. I've got to start. I've got to mm. fucking start. Like it can be so overwhelming because you certainly if you've found yourself because it's it's insidious. You you don't put on ten kilos accidentally. You no. know, you put on ten kilos over the course of a year. Mm. All right, just Creeps going up on you. Yeah, just going. Oh fuck it all. Now, usually by that, the mm. it always starts with that. Oh mm. fuck it. Oh, let's have another piece. Oh fuck mm-hmm. it. Oh, no, oh fuck it. I had a snack. Oh, it's fucking it's fun. And then next thing you know, boom, it's taking you a year. And then you stand there and you look at yourself particularly now that insidious Facebook shows you what you're doing at your regular oh. and you see yourself and you go, fuck. Yes. And you might feel like when a piece of shit. When did that happen? Yeah, you feel like a piece of shit. What's the first step away from that, Em? In my eyes, if you can get past the part where it's too hard, which is the first part, it's too hard. I've got a routine. I'm used to this. I like this. I need this. I know the supermarket, I shop the same way, I put the same things in the cart every day. Yeah. I think if you can get past that and you can find something that you're passionate enough about to really stick to or believe in, then I think you can make a start. I don't think you can ever do it because someone else has told you to do it or because, you know, somebody else likes it, that kind of thing. I think if if you don't believe in it, if you don't want to do it and if you don't want to make that change... It'll never happen. And I think I just, I realised that I needed to and I wanted to. I just didn't know which road to take. There were too many. Well, that can be overwhelming too. Like knowing, oh, I have to do something. My kids are growing up. Mm. I remember, you know, my, I, can't, I can't run around with, in the backyard with my kid or I can't chase after this kid yeah. like I wish I could. A, a set of stairs is my enemy. Mm. I'm in my mid-40s or I'm in my mid-30s. Yeah. You know, um, I'm afraid to go on a beach holiday. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. It happens though. This oh, is absolutely, I've been that person. Yeah, but it can be that can be so knowing oh, I've got to do something, but it can be so overwhelming. So, yeah. if, what, you know, what's the first move after going, okay, I'm not doing something is going to be worse than doing something. Like, 
Yeah. That's like for me, that's the first thing is like understanding is change only happens when the the pain and danger of not changing becomes greater than the fear of change. Mm. That's the only time that we shift. Yeah. As humans. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yes, I've been sense. afraid of changing, but I can now see that if I don't, bad shit's gonna happen. Mm. And it's now more scary than changing. That's when I have my rule. What's the rule? And my rule actually works with, with hubby as well. He, he now does it and he holds me to it. It's if you say it out loud, it's got to happen. So unless you, if, if you say it out loud, there's no going back on that because that's as good as a promise. What's an example? An example was when you and I had a chat a few months ago and I said to you, I can't pull my finger out. I've got a race coming up and I just can't get my running mojo. And I said to you, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. I'm going to do 30Ks. And then I sent you the map of where I'd run 30Ks. I told you, I'd I'd held myself accountable for that. If I hadn't done it, I would have let myself down. And worse than letting anybody else down, if you let yourself down, you're never going to make progress. But it doesn't have to be 30Ks. No. Let's let's, let's just put it into context. You're an ultramarathon runner. Yeah. 30Ks is a morning jog. Okay, let's just just, just put it in context. I think it can be as simple as I'm not going to have three coffees tomorrow. I'm going to have one and I'm going to have water. I'm going to walk around the block tomorrow just to get some fresh air. Maybe that walk will turn into a jog the next day. It's just you've got to start by... Even if the goal is small, you've got to start. Mm. And if you start, it will snowball. And, but saying it to another human being. I find my, I will always be accountable. I said to my friend the other day because, you know, I suffer from depression and all that kind of stuff and she's been keeping me in bed. And I said to my friend the other day, are you going to run the stairs on Saturday morning? And he said, yeah, are you? And I didn't reply and he called me up. He goes, you didn't answer my question. So I hung up on him. And he texted me back and he said, yes or no? Fuck, this man knows me too well. So I just wrote back yes. Sure enough, there he was waiting for me at 6 a.m. If I hadn't gone, I would have let him down, but I would have let me down because I would have been lying there thinking, I told him that I would do something and I've gone back on my word and I never go back on my word. If I promise someone I'll do something, I'll do something. So wouldn't you treat yourself with the same respect? Well, we can, in the same way we can let ourselves slip, mm. we can let our, our self-respect slip. Which I did for a very long time. I don't ever want to go back there. Well, I think it's also, you know, seeing that we may, it's reframing. For me, it's reframing, um, you know, having another piece of cake mm. might seem that I'm giving myself a treat. Yeah. But you can reframe it and going, not having a piece of cake is an act of self-respect. It's an act of caring. It's an act of I'm being kind to myself. I believe that. I believe taking yourself for a workout or some fresh air is a sign of self-respect. Doing something that's going to prolong good health in a human being, doesn't matter what it is. You know, take Frank for a walk, go for a surf, go for a ride. Just go and sit outside rather than inside. And it's self-respect. You are respecting what you've got. Because ultimately, all of my, I use earmarks here when I say woes or depression, boils down to me thinking at the end of the day, I have a roof over my head, I have food on my plate, 
and I have a job that I'm passionate about. So many people don't have that. So treat yourself with a little respect and do one small thing today that your body will thank you for. It's not just your body. You know, before you know it, the people around you start to notice a change. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so because I only want to... Yeah, I only want to be a good influence. I don't ever want to be a bad one apart from the word fuck, which I use apparently too much. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. People listen to this podcast, people are like, I only ever see you on The Bachelor. I, I didn't know what to do when you said the word cunt. It's like, <gasps> yes, well. <laughs> I get into trouble for that it's one. It's a word I say a fair bit. I'm English. That just pops out. It's <laughs> a word I say a fair yeah, bit. Yeah, that's how we say hi to everyone, every, each other yeah. in England. Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um... Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely you're you're really onto something there. And um, you know, when we talk about you know accountability, um, I kind of cheated in that. They're really, as a man in his forties trying to get into shape, a photo in Men's Health magazine is about as big as it's going to get. That when is it so comes brave. To, when it comes to accountability, <laughs> seriously, I was saying that to the guys at Men's Health. It's just like. I don't think you understand the stress that these people are under. Trusting a stranger, namely myself and Chief, to get you to a certain point so that you can display your half-naked body, well, 90% naked uh, yeah, body, yeah. in front of the world, essentially the world, because the, once the internet has it, yeah. the world has it. Yeah. That amount of trust and that amount of stress in the one place, I can't imagine it. Well, the, account, the accountability was definitely there and that well and truly helped me along the way. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That did help me. When I yeah. wandered back in here into this kitchen at 10 after 10 after all the TVs and lights were off and I was like, oh, just a, like, something crunchy would be so good right now. <laughs> you know, I just think, hang on, photos in six weeks. What's come on? You know, if you have, you know, you can eat something for three minutes, that's an hour on the bike. Go to bed. <laughs> so, okay. Do you find that you're mentally stronger for that in other in other aspects too? Well, now? this is the this is the thing that I'm that I'm getting to. The accountability for me, while that photograph was a big accountability, mm. to be the, the 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 accountability for me was staying off of meds. Mm. And what can I give myself? What can I give myself? What can I do in my life that will help me not need meds anymore? Now mm. I may have to go back on meds. Like this may still happen. This mm. this podcast, I mean, you know, people will be listening to this in five years and going, hang on a sec, he fucking fell off the rails. Yeah, well, that might have happened by now, but never mind. Um, how can I give myself the best chance of living, you know, off, off of meds? Mm. And it was only, honestly, maybe two weeks into us working together that I started to just, oh, I could sleep better. Things didn't bother me so much. And then before I knew it, I was like, I would lie down in bed and within 10 breaths I was out and then eight hours later, bang, just like that, like anxiety, just completely depleted, able to handle, like there was a lot of stress around finishing the book and there's a lot of stress around starting Bachelor and all kinds of other things that were happening at the time. But my resilience to deal with those things was Mm. greater than it had ever been in my life. Yeah. All right? And having that as a reason of this is why I'm doing this. Mm. Yes, there'll be a photo. It'll be great to have that photo. Yeah. It'll be great to get to that point. 
it's also giving myself that gift, giving myself that gift of, and, you know, uh, so my, my mother-in-law is an extraordinary woman. Um, uh, they, they pop in, like, we kind of see them, they come up from Brisbane like once every six weeks, four, four five, six weeks. Mm. And she's like, wow, you're really different. Oh, what do you mean? I was like, no, 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 you're just different. You're different to be around. Mm. And like that has been the most incredible thing. And I have a, I have a tricky night through. For some reason, it keeps popping out. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't know why. My left, it's in the back on the left hand side. So I haven't been able to lift anything for the last ten days. How frustrating. Or so. And I cannot tell you, M, how instantly more vulnerable I am to stress stressors. Yeah. All right, with the ORS. Yeah. Like calamity is coming my way, and my ability to deal with it is not anywhere what it was. Mm. And I was like, you know. It was like kind of overwhelming me and snowballing, and I was like, I was like "Well, of course I can't fucking deal with it because I haven't been able to lift anything." Mm. I'm grateful I've still got a bicycle to ride. Yeah, I'm really grateful I still got a bicycle to ride. But it's something about the hormonal response that my body um, does when in resistance training that fills my brain full of these things. Yeah, that allows me to. That was a long way of saying that it's an act of, yes, it's an act of self-respect. No, I completely And it's understand. an act of accountability. It's an act of accountability to myself and to my family to work out because I'm giving not only myself, I'm giving them a gift of a better me mm. to be around. Absolutely. And did you notice that when we were training, while your schedule was crazy because you work 23 hours, hours out of 24 we would often, more often than not, try and work out in the morning. Yeah. It's very hard to do in the evening. Yeah. Because the, the world has been on your shoulders. Mm. And while you've had a stressful day, you know, it doesn't matter if you spend all day in bed. At the end of the day, it is the end of the day. You're going to close your eyes and tomorrow is going to be a new day. If you wake up and you get to the gym and you accomplish things that you are accomplishing, you, you are by far the most technical transformation we've ever had i like to know why things are the way they we are we loved it it was <laughs> incredible we would literally you would walk out the door you'd be like all right love you bye we, you would walk out the door and chief and i would high five each other <laughs> because we'd just go did he recite it to you go, yes better than i recited it <laughs> what, what do we recite? just different flows and different methods and oh, right, right. reasons that we'd asked you to do things that we hadn't actually told you all right but you'd obviously gone away, researched yes. what we'd asked you to do yes. and come back with full knowledge of why it was happening and how it was going to happen. Well, I find it far more easy to enrol myself in things if I understand why we're doing things. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and uh, you were very kind and very technical and thankfully due to my... Um, history with both my folks being doctors, the, the medical terminology was uh, I was able to absorb it, um, <laughs> and I found no, no, I did. I find it. I found it all. Oh, of course. Well, that makes perfect sense. Okay, great. Let's yeah. do let's do another set. Okay, great. I understand. All right. Well, Chief is the master of biomechanics. Right. Yeah. He could pick any any machine in that gym and give you multiple body parts to do on it. Right. And he loves doing that, especially in front of new trainers. <laughs> He'll get on a, a machine and use it for the wrong thing essentially, but in the right way yeah. so that they'll look at him as if he's doing the, you know, oh, that's not what that machine is for. 
you guys do make a, you make a fantastic team. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, it was, it's extraordinary to have a, a, a double header uh, at your, you know, I'm very, very lucky to have both of you to work with because it was, you know, shit, man. It's not something I could have done by myself, that's for sure. Uh, in the, so the book is split in two. Chief does the, the exercise stuff and it was specified, I believe, by the publisher that had to be body weight only, no, yeah. no equipment. Yeah. Now, did you – you did the food side of things. So that, was there a similar specificity around the food side of things? Was there a limitation that you placed upon yourself? Like, Because you could say, go ahead and get – I mean, f- for me, I have a restricted diet. But it was like, go ahead and find yourself, you know, lupin flour and uh, aramanth and this and that and all kinds of like really exotic things, yeah. <laughs> exotic ingredients that are expensive and hard to get. Yeah. You know, you could have just – and that'll be fine. Yeah. Or did you go, all right, it's going to have to be – less than this much a meal. It's going to have to be at a kind of just a regular Coles, not even like the fancy one. That's uh, basically what I've spent the last 10 years doing yeah. is bringing this nutritional plan, this way of eating down to a fine art so that if you're a family of five, if you're a guy on your own or a girl on your own, if you're a young couple, you're going to be able to A, understand it, B, follow it, and C, you're going to be able to afford it. Because I'm not telling you to go out and buy organic. I'm not telling you to go out and buy, you know, the most expensive thing or things that you wouldn't normally eat. I'm telling you basically the easiest way and fastest way to get your health back, to lose some centimetres and to feel good, is to eat this. And you know what? Some people have never, and I say this with complete respect to everybody out there, have never taken the time to fuel their body with all the fruits and vegetables and grains that their body needs rather than the ones their mind wants. Right, yeah. Because we're we're, we're brought up looking at delicious things like McDonald's and sweets and pizzas and all that kind of thing. And there is a healthier way to eat those things. You shouldn't not have them. This is life. What's life without good food? But you've got to learn how to... Teach your body how to, A, how to use them, and that comes hand in hand with training, um, but B, how to, to recognise what's an everyday food and what's necessary and what's not necessary. And I think, that, I, th- I think that's the premise behind the book is this is necessary for you to be healthy. You will feel good. You won't even need someone to tell you you're healthy because you'll feel so good. That's really it. I had – so, I, again, we go back to Steve um, – I took him to this extraordinary place in Commonwealth Street, Surrey Hills, a place called Shift Eatery mm. for vegan. Fuck, it's amazing. You've got to go there. Well, you know what? I didn't believe you about the burgers, and then we had the vegan burgers, and they were incredible, and I'm still thinking about it. You've got to head down to Shift. It's Commonwealth Street, Surrey Hills. Gotcha. Amazing. It's in the, you know, in that street, I think there's um, nail salons and brothels, but there's also this extraordinary place. <laughs> so right? it's a good night out, basically. <laughs> I don't think I can go to a vegan place on my own, though, so I think you're going no, to have to go. No, you'll be fine. Fear not. No, it's amazing. <laughs> um, like, let's not, let's not fucking beat around the bush. I lost eight kilos of fat and put on two kilos of muscle yeah. eating the way I eat. So, you know, vegan's fine. Um, the, <laughs> but you've got to go there. Anyway, so I left Stevie and I, I was driving Stevie back to his office and he goes, man, I always feel so good after I have lunch with you. Oh, I feel like my stomach, I just feel like I'm glowing. I'm like, yeah, man, it's because you put good food in you, your body feels good. I said that when we left you at Vegan. <laughs> when we went to Soul Burger, I said to, to Hubby, I said, do you just feel really light? Yeah. And like you've done something good for yourself? 
And he goes, well, it was better than eating two normal burgers, wasn't it? That's right, we had two burgers. It was yeah. after the photo shoot. Oh, it was, man, it was good. I was hungry. Uh, but, yeah, so when you eat when you eat good food, it's exactly what you're saying. When you fill your body full of, full of great nutrition, you actually feel fucking good. Your body yeah. goes, oh, thank you so much. Exactly. It is. It's a sigh of relief. Your body and so many people, when I say, I mean, as part of this book, it says compulsory items. And that's going back to childhood. Do you remember when your parents used to say you're not getting down from the table until you've eaten this? Mm. Well, we're not going to eat it otherwise. So if I write compulsory salad greens, there's your fibre for the day. There's your really delicious salad that you probably weren't going to try mm. until you were made to try it. And now that you have tried it, you like it. So yeah. it's a win on all accounts. When people are, like, say, for example, people are listening to this on their way to the shops or whatever and they're heading, you know, or, you know, thinking about their groceries for this week, what's, what's like, one thing that they could change? Like, maybe they haven't bought the book yet. They haven't even gone to the gym yet. What's one thing that they might be able to change about what they buy this week or what they might make for their family this week that would be in the right direction for you? Oh, I've got some great tips. I think my first one is always water. And you don't, you don't have to buy it. I prefer tap water. Um, I keep a couple of glass bottles in the fridge and I have two between two and four litres a day. It depends how much exercise I've done or how hot it is. But water is, if there is a magic pill in the world, it is water. You, you can't survive without it. Your body can't function without it. You can't flush fat without it. Your metabolism is slow and sluggish without it. If you simply did yourself a favour and cut out the soft drinks or cut out whatever it was you were replacing water with and had water, you would notice a difference. Within seven days, you would notice a difference. That's pretty... It's magic. doesn't cost much either. Exactly. (laughs) And Sydney tap water is the best. It's not bad. It's the best. I would choose that over an Evian. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually saying Audrey gives me shit about it but because I, we're, we're, a, we're a household of water bottles and if you just pry your eyes over to my – that's my new gluten-free um, – see, over, over there over there's a gluten-free uh, – the non-gluten-free utensils and over here is my gluten-free utensils on yeah. this side of the counter. Yeah. But look at that water bottle there. That's two and a half litres. That's the one I take to work. That's I take, amazing. I take it to set with me. It's two and, and a half litres. it looks litres. like it stays cold. It does. And I, I, I emptied it. Uh, one and a half times yesterday at work. Nice work. Yeah, well, I have to pee a lot, but that's yeah. fine. But have you noticed that once you've gotten into a good habit of drinking more often, mm. you don't have to pee as much? No, I pee a lot. See, because I'm like terrible when I, if I forget and I don't drink for two days or I have one litre or just a little bit, then the next time I have two to three litres, I'm in another bathroom every 15 minutes. It's annoying as hell. Right. But... I've already had three litres today and I've been sitting here comfortably since I moved in. Yeah, you haven't had one drink. Well, I had one when you went to the bathroom. Oh, right, right. Yeah, but before I got here, I emptied it and then filled it up again. But that's, that's, a, really, that's a really good one. And, and, and water when you've got a snack craving, water with food, water... Half the time when you're hungry, you're dehydrated. It, it sounds ridiculous, I know, because no, I'm an adult. I know when I'm hungry, I'm thinking about food. But you'll find if you have a drink of water, that craving for food, that hunger that you're feeling will actually dissipate a little. It's not so much hunger as your body needs something that you're not giving it. If you have a glass of water and you're still hungry, then you're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I love that tip because that's a... 
That's a pretty easy one to implement for easy. anybody, and it's not the barrier to entry is pretty low. Mm. Uh, you're not going to have to go and buy a particular product down at Woolies or whatever. Exactly. Like you just put your cup under the tap, hit go. And after a week of doing that, you would probably be more inspired to then do something else. Maybe you might want to give up sugar. Maybe you might want to have one less, I don't know, one less serving. Maybe that portion size is going to get a bit smaller. Maybe you'll think about, you know, the greasy oh, egg and bacon roll, yum, um, on the way to work. Maybe you can just have something else instead. Right. So I, th- I think it all just snowballs. I think yeah. once you do one good thing for yourself and you notice a difference, why not add in another thing? That's, that's really it, though. It's the tiny little steps yeah. in that same direction. It's just the – it's building the momentum. It's pushing the – it's pushing the boulder. The first pushes are always the hardest, oh, but absolutely. once it's going, it's... And I find too what, in my experience, there's so many people out there that have resistance from friends and family, but I also think these people, and I always tell them, don't tell them that you're changing. Don't tell them that you're doing anything that is out of the ordinary because everyone has an opinion on it and yours is the only opinion that matters. So why are you looking for validation from friends and family that aren't going to agree with you for something you want to do for yourself? Oh, this is like people's resistance of like, why aren't you having cake? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why aren't you coming out for drinks? Just come out for one drink. Why are you on a diet? A diet is stupid. Right. Yeah, it's, it's probably, apart from willpower, one of the most common reasons people quit. Quit trying. Because their, their loved one's... Have yeah. resentment towards the shift. Yeah. Mm. Really? It's sad. But I, I, I train online up to a 1,000 people every quarter. So I speak to a lot of them. I, I'm never going to hand it over to a team or a robot because I find that if they can come direct to the source and I can give them any words of encouragement to keep going or, you know, find out why they stopped, then maybe they'll just, if they can keep going one more day, why wouldn't they go one more day after that? And one more day after that. But, yeah, nine times out of ten, they've said peer pressure. As to why they yeah. stop yeah. with the lifestyle My husband shift. said that I look too skinny. Or my husband said he liked me before when I used to go out to dinner with him. Or my friends prefer me when I drink. It's really sad that that's how you're judged. Mm. Shouldn't they congratulate you on wanting to be a better version of you? Because that's the first thing I think is when someone tells me that they're doing something, it's like, congratulations, that's fantastic. What made you decide that? Mm. So I don't know. I suppose if, if I can help encourage people past that point, then I've done my job. It's, the, it's, it's, it's getting to that point where, yeah, I think that's really, that's really powerful. That's a really powerful thing. And that's, to- how, that's how I've written the book. I've written it as if I'm talking to you. Mm. And if you've had all the problems that I've ever spoken to other people about, which are very common, if one person's willing to say it out loud, then many people... You mean I'm not a special snowflake? You are my special snowflake. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I know. But, yeah, yeah. if you can... I am garden variety. I am the same same compulsive eating that every other fucker's got. You know, there's nothing special about me. (laughs) It's the truth. It's interesting you mentioned that about, about the peer pressure. So if, if people are facing that, what's something, what's a mindset that they can have around that? I always tell people to write, write down why they started. If you can write it down and you just 
put it in an envelope for when you need it. That's mm. why I always suggest taking, if you're going to make a change, take a picture of yourself in complete honesty. You don't have to share it with the world. You don't have to share it with anybody. But you need some sort of line in the sand as to why and what you're doing. Otherwise, you know, on the weekend when you do want that cocktail or you do want that ice cream, why did I start again? I can't remember. I feel fine now. It's just so many things get in the way and moods go up and down and life goes up and down. So if you write down at that moment exactly what you're feeling and why you want to make this change, you can always come back to that. Mm. And it's always going to take you back to, I felt this way about myself. And if you don't later on, that's fantastic. But if you still do in a week's time, keep going. Make another change. Keep going until that is something you look back on and you say, I'm really glad that I changed that because I wasn't happy. And if they can do that, then they might never even look at that again, but it's there. Mm. And I think if you write it down, it's as good as my version, which is saying it out loud. I think that's, that's you're being accountable to yourself. Yeah. In reminding yourself, it's, it's making uh, it's the cold state and hot state decisions. You're writing something down in a cold state. Like, this is how I feel about my body or my life, whatever is going on. This is why I want to move away from that first feeling, all right? That's a calm state, all right? Then when the chocolate cake's in front of you and everyone's singing happy birthday and someone's offering you the big slice or the little slice, mm -hmm. that's a hot state, all right? You, all yeah. you want is that fucking cake, man. Absolutely. The song's singing. The, you can smell the candles you in the air. You can sort it out later. Yeah, but if you kind of go back to that, what did I what did I decide when I wasn't faced with all these triggers and all this pressure? All oh, right, small piece, please. Exactly. It helps you bring it back to that. Yeah. You know. I think everybody has that. They just don't know how to. I don't know. Rein it in, or understand it, or it's just it's one of those things. You practice it, you come become better at it. It's you stretch muscle. your willpower. Yeah, it's like a journey. It is. Um, you stretch your willpower, and you'll get stronger with it. You've mm. noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you guys changed my life. Like you, at the moment, I'm living life off meds. Um, I noticed that what, what life's like without the the resistance training for the last nine days. It's been. Um, you better be fixed within the next ten days so we can train when we get back. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it very much. Um, but yeah, I know. It's like I, I said this to Sheaf. To Sheaf, you weren't. It was. It wasn't just putting me on the raft in Moana. It was teaching me how to sail. Yeah. Aww. You know? And then, then there's a song and then the rock turned yeah. into an eagle. Um, <laughs> and it was Aww. great. You had a big hook. I'm going to hug you in a minute. I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Um, but, yeah, and it's, it's been extraordinary. And, and it's, a, it's a path that I don't doubt that I will, I will stay on as, as much as I possibly can because I've seen the benefit – emotionally and mentally that it has for me. Mm. But uh, look, on a, on, a, on a visual level, it's not so bad that I, you know, I, think I look stupid when I'm on my life. Audrey doesn't mind. <laughs> the you know, fact that she called nice. me and said, thank you. <laughs> I spent last night rubbing fake tan on him. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, she did do that. She did do that. Uh, that fake tan was weird. And the hair is just starting to grow back, which is also oh, prickly. Weird. Being hairless was so strange. But... If you want to see me naked and hairless, you'll find a magazine. Exactly. Um, thanks for coming around. It's been fun. It's been ace. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm just going to take your photo. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Cool. Thanks.
That was Emily Brabon Hames. You can find her on Instagram, E M I L I E B R A B O N H A M E S. That's where she is. Uh, you can get her book, uh, the book that she wrote with Chief through her website. Uh, and um, you can also get my book, which is out on Monday, August the 20th. Uh, but I would love to, love to, love to see you at the show. Melbourne people, I'm trying to get a show for you. At this point, Sydney, it's all on you. Let's make this happen. Let's get that show an absolute cracker so we can build something big and we can take it on the road. So... Yeah, you can get those tickets, osha.is slash live. If you buy you, if you buy a book and a ticket, you actually get both cheaper because we're clever like that. Well, I'm not. My manager is. Uh, but I would love to see you there. I, I, I signed a lot of books this week uh, over at Booktopia. So if you ordered, pre-ordered the book through Booktopia, your signed copy, I signed it this week and it is in the post as we speak, I'm sure, to on, be, on your, be on the way, to be on the way to your house. A big thank you to Andy Marr, my audio producer this week. Thank you to Rachel Barrett for producing the show and getting me and him in the same room at the same time. Thank you to Toe Hider for making the music for me for this show today and the live show, which is going to be super duper. And I'll see you next week with Todd Sampson, where he interviews me. And we go diggity, diggity, digging deep in the dirt. And it is good. Um, yeah. Until next time, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm sitting on my bed with an SM58 microphone while the exchange sister and Gigi watch a Minnelis McCarthy movie, uh, <laughs> which is brilliant. Honestly, I drove the kids home from a party last night, and um, it was, you know, it was, uh, when, did I, when am I recording this on a Saturday? So it was Friday night, and driving the kids home, and the whole way back, uh, Gigi was DJing. And I had these four girls in the back of the car screaming, singing pop songs at the top of their lungs for like 40 straight minutes. It was the best. I, I, of course, I've got to do the stepdad thing where you just don't react. And you're like, yes, whatever, whatever. It's okay if you want to do that. But inside, it was just the coolest thing ever to have these kids having so much fun, singing all their favorite songs. Man, it was great. It was so great. You know, I know on Friday nights 20 years ago I would be doing something very different, but I was not, I didn't want to be anywhere else last night. It was the coolest. Anyway, they're having such a good time. I've been banished to the bedroom to record this. So <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with you. Until we speak next time. This is the last time we speak where I haven't had my book published. So how exciting. I'm so excited and terrified, but excited, but mostly terrified. <sighs> It'll be all right. Okay, until we speak next time, sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.